Health Podcast with Ben Canning and Dave Kennedy. Two guys heading out to hack body, mind, business, and beyond. We are here to provide a single source, bullshit-free guide to understanding your body and how you can live better for longer. Can I change it? Whatever you want to do. I don't think you're the one that fucking edits it. It doesn't matter. That's true. Cut this bit out or keep it in. Yeah. We keep it in. We just start now. Start. We start now. Yo, we're here. We're started. (laughs) You zoom in on yourself. I'm just checking. I'm just trying. I'm trying different things out here. Yo, you're gonna call it out. Well, I mean, nobody's. There's only 31 people watch it on YouTube. (laughs) For the 31 people watching on YouTube, Dave's just trying to work out his camera. Anyway, that's right. We're back. I decided I just came in from a walk and I was like, I'm not going to tell people what episode we're on. Surely if they've clicked onto it, they'll know what episode. So, I mean, we need a new intro, I think. Yeah. Yeah. We got it. Well, I mean, it could be just like, hey, this is, you know, Ben Canning and Dave Canning. Is we did. We were, That's yeah, we were meant to say that. Right. But we, th- we skipped it last week. We did skip it last week. So I'm Ben Canning. I'm Dave Kennedy. And this is what resembles Hacking Your Health podcast. You play me your lights now? I play my lights now too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on ah uh, dude it's been been a great week uh training's been good uh today at orange theory i don't know what i ate if it was my wheaties or whatever it was but uh i uh you know I, it's you know you go back to the whole mindset thing and um there was an episode i was watching uh they, they did a whole series on michael jordan and kind of like how he kind of came through the nba and one of the things that michael jordan talked about was he would um pick somebody that was the best player on the team and he would tell himself that, that person like called him a bitch, you know, and that, that he was a terrible basketball player. The person never said it, you know, never was thinking it, but Michael Jordan would tell himself that and he'd, and he'd actually make himself believe it so that he would go against that player and just destroy him. Like just, he'd be so pissed at that player by the time he got to that game that he literally want to fist fight that guy. Right. And, you know, so I, I kind of, you know, kind of took that same type of mentality with my training which is, you know, like, you know, I go to Orange Theory and uh, uh, I, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it is, it is 100% a non-competitive space. Like, you know, there's no way to really compete because it's, it's your own individualized self, right? Um, and so, you know, it's, it's not about competing. It's about going in there and giving your best and competing with yourself, right? But I find that competing with others kind of motivates me a lot. And for some reason today, you know, and so I'll do this a lot of times, not every time, but most of the time I do this, but I'll pick somebody and it's usually uh, uh, somebody that's the, that's the strongest person uh, in Orange Theory. Strongest by by what I mean is, uh, you know, might be an amazing runner, for example, or might be amazing at the weights or, you know, be able to, to pull pull some big weights. And, and it doesn't matter if it's, you know, uh, man or woman, you know, I, 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 I just whoever's the strongest person in that class. And I pick them and I'm like, they called me a bitch, you know, like, you know, and, and I tell myself that. And I get super competitive and, and, and it's, it's not competitive in the sense where I let them know that I'm being competitive in any way, shape or form. They have no idea they're competing against me. They definitely didn't call me a bitch. Um, but, but I go after them from a competitive standpoint and I just go off. And, uh, today I had two guys next to me, one to the left and one to the right. And, and the one to the left is a really strong runner. And the guy to the right of me is, is, uh, uh, strong on the weight section. 
And I just went off today. Like I, I, I just went, I was like foaming from the mouth. Like the trainer had to come over and like step on the, uh, the rower because I was like lifting so hard that the thing was basically ready to explode and fall off of, off of its friggin' hinges. I mean, I was, I was on a different level today and I'll, I will tell you that I'm so tired right now that I still got to get my leg lift in. I killed myself today. It was, it was awesome. But it was, it was great. It. it was worth it. It was worth it. Hey, to the two guys that asked me to call me bitches, I totally beat you. So, you know, it's <laughs> if you're listening, yeah, yeah. Won. you don't know that you're in a competition, but they've won. That's right. That's right. I won. I won. <laughs> yeah. I was just looking up there. I don't know if you've ever read it. Just talking about Michael Jordan, the book called Relentless from good to great to unstoppable. Um, it's by Tim Grover, who was actually Michael Jordan's coach. I'm pretty sure. Um, he's the guy that they went to, or they go to, you know, all the NBA stars and whatever else, whenever they are in a, deep hole or need to come I, back I, from recovery I, or something. You sent that to me. I've read the book. It's yeah, great. Really good yeah. book. So anybody listen, I'll link it in the show notes. It's a really, really good book. And maybe I'll actually read it again. It is a good one. I, I think, you know, like uh, he talks about when, when the players go to those facilities and how he trains them and how he kind of gets them out of there, whether it's, you know, physical therapy and recovery or whether it's, you know, kind of bringing them to the next level. It's, it's really impressive to, to note how, big the mind plays an aspect on all of that right i think that that's huge yeah 100 i mean you know we've talked about mindset quite a lot and i think you know we will probably continue to talk about it yeah i was actually uh so yesterday i was uh um, it was freezing i was like 20 degrees outside and you know i I'd done my lift early in the morning and it was Fahrenheit, great just for anybody who's over here that's not been like 20 degrees is like the summer over here let's, let's just let's just get out here that that we always do things in the american standards because okay. of america you know okay. so like you know, it's america that's america because america no, just kidding, <laughs> just kidding to you, let's listen. um but uh it was like 20 degrees fahrenheit outside uh, outside and i got an awesome lift in the morning but the rest of the day i was kind of like you know stagnant had a lot of calls and things like that and so I went out and got a, I got a nice, uh, uh, rocket walk in with a 60 pound backpack. And, um, I was listening to, of course, the Huberman labs podcast. And what's really interesting is, is, um, the podcast that I was listening to was talking about that mind body connection and how, you know, 20 years ago, if you would have said, you know, using your mind to heal your body, you would have been called a lunatic or a heretic or something like that, you know, but the scientific studies that are coming out now, there are direct neural pathways between um, our brain and our body and our brain telling our body what to do and vice versa. So like what was really interesting, first of all, freaking mind blowing how our body works. Like, it, I mean, how, how they were talking about our immunity aspects around how our body repairs itself, how our body uh, addresses foreign, uh, foreign uh, objects that it, c- it considers a threat and how we address those and how we have an adaptive immune system. That's like if, we, if it's if a, th- a threat that we haven't seen before and our immune system's like, all right, we're going to bump this shit out for things that we haven't seen before. I mean, it's it's incredible the process that we have. But it, what was interesting is some of the things that he was going through where he started talking about how um, when you get sick, you know, typically you don't want sunlight. You, um, you know, you uh, are, are kind of in a catatonic state where you want to relax and they actually broke down some of the science behind that of like w- why that is. And so, you know, uh, when we're in like more of a, a, a non-moving state, um, our body actually, our blood flow may shrink, but it allows our lipids and everything else to be able to um, move through our blood flow much quicker to address the threats that are there. So like all of these things are connected in every way, uh, whether it's increasing our body temperature. So there's actually a, a, a signal that gets sent from your body to your uh to your brain that basically says increase the body temperature to kill 
you know, the, the um, virus that's in your body has a threat because it raises your, you know, when you get a fever, it's, it's your body's attempt to, to wean off that virus uh, to, to kill it. Obviously, if it gets too high, it can hurt you, but um, it's incredible how our entire system works and how interconnected um, our mind is to our body and how we can use our mind to really uh, heal our body in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Well, first point I want to note there is that you said that you had a busy day and whatever else you went out for a walk. Truth be told, something that I have been neglecting is being outside and going for a walk just because I'm at a period where work is quite busy and I've just sucked it off, which I know that I preached everybody else that they need to sort of prioritize this and blah, blah, blah. I hold my hands up. But I was obviously, I was in Donegal at the weekend. If if anybody doesn't know where Donegal is, Google it. As I said to Dave, it's a very beautiful place, but also a place that you could definitely be murdered because it's in the fuck hole of nowhere. Anyway, long story short on that, I was outside quite a lot, obviously it's a great place. It was totally pissing down, like it was an absolute storm shit show. But I remembered the feeling of being outside and what that does to clear your mind. So even before this, yeah. I literally just went out for a walk, didn't have a podcast in, just sort of time in my own head. Cause I think that that's something that, that we sort of overlook because we want to be listening to more podcasts, listen to more books, absorb more information. And we don't actually take time to be quiet. And um, the second point is, about the mindset and I guess it sort of follows on from the conversation that we had last week about how we speak to ourselves and, and that sort of internal dialogue. I was listening to a podcast earlier on and they talk about he actually the guy on the podcast was Tony Robbins podcast and the guy that he was interviewing actually referred to it as the internal software that we have. So if you have written the software that you live by and about how we can rewrite it or rewire it. So we were talking about obviously the the connection of what you're saying to yourself and how that becomes a reality, but also the ability to to rewire that. Yeah, there's a, there's actually an, uh, not to mention other human podcast, but the <laughs> the most recent uh, human podcast talks about how to erase fears and trauma um, based on you know different types of of ways of, of kind of conditioning your brain and body to kind of rewrite how you currently do things. And I think the, the book you had mentioned, the atomic habits, right. Mm -hmm. is, is very big on that. Right. So uh, being able to address very small patterns of behavior changes and, and going into large, I, I have the book sitting here. I've not read it yet. Um, there's, but, irony. Uh, there's definitely irony in that. And even Heath on the, on the call on Wednesday was like, is there a chapter in the book that will allow me to build the habit to actually finish this goddamn book? <laughs> I, I do better with uh audiobooks i will probably buy the audiobook as well just so i can i can listen to it i'll tell you actually a really quick funny story um uh yesterday about yesterday's uh, thing so uh talking about habits so i when i when i go outside i have um i, I really like uh this this line of gear called oros which is uh nasa engineered cold weather gear basically um so it's real thin but it's athletic uh, and so I have, uh, Oros pants and I have Oros top, which keep me super warm and it's real thin. They use like, um, the same type of like blankets and stuff like that, that are super thin paper thin that, that, you know, basically project heat, uh, or bounce heat off. So you're not never losing it. And so I really like that for when I'm outside on the cold weather side of the house. And so I'm sitting there, I'm talking to my son, you know, I got, he's got basketball practice later tonight and I got to go, uh, my son had a, uh, uh, band, um, choir thing, uh, as well that I had to go to. And so, but I had this window of like two hours where I'm like, Hey, I can, I can go get this walk in and get back and I can get changed and ready to go and eat and, and, and all this other stuff. I have plenty of time to, to get this walk in. And I'm so preoccupied with everything that's going on that I pack my, all the important stuff, like, you know, the shoes, I get my shoes on, get my ruck on, you know, and I got my cold weather gear on and I forget my damn gloves. And 
So I'm out there and like halfway through, I'm like, oh shit, I'm like really cold. Like my hands are numb. And then you started texting me and I was so cold and my hands texting you back that it took me like five minutes because my hands were so frozen that I couldn't actually hit the buttons on the thing to actually go and do it. So like it took me like five minutes to actually respond back to you uh, as I was texting because I was so damn cold, uh, you know, from from my hands. Everything else was warm. But my hands were literally, I couldn't like actually like move my fingers because I was so cold. So not a fan of Dave, not a fan of the cold. I am not a fan of cold. Like, listen, that's something to talk about. You know, maybe that's a a cool test to try to rewire myself in some way, shape, or form. And, and And I have actually, to some extent, changed some of it. So I used to, when I would go to bed, talking about our, our bed habits, you know, um, you, you mentioned on the last podcast around how going and taking a shower actually helps you out from a thermogenics perspective of your body will rapidly drop that the um, that uh, that temperature to get down to you know a nominal level for sleep, uh, and it also has some good um, thermogenic effects around losing weight and things like that. And so, uh, one thing that I've been doing is I invested in um, it's called the Cooley system from. Uh, anyway, it's, it's, it's called the cooling system. I can't remember who, who makes it somewhere (laughs) from somewhere. Uh, and you put water in there and it's got a UV sanitization and stuff like that. Um, and it's a little pad that you put on your bed and, um, it shoots water through the whole bed system and keeps it cold or hot, whatever you would like to do. And I literally have it on the lowest possible setting possible. So that when I get into bed, it is cold. Now it eventually heats up a little bit, you know, my body heat, uh, will increase the temperature with it. But I'll tell you, since I've started doing that, my recovery, um, my ability to actually address, um, you know, like like the type of recovery that I'm doing and, and good sleep uh, is much better with that cold weather than not before. So I have changed my habits from when I used to keep the heated um, bed sheet on to I'm actually cold now. So I wonder if we could do a study or a way to kind of change my brain patterns uh, to actually like cold showers. I don't know if it'll happen, but I'll try. I'll give we it a can shot. Try. We can hate, try. Hate it. Hate it. <laughs> well, actually, I've been doing a bit of an experiment myself that I haven't actually spoken to you about. So obviously we've talked endlessly about supplements and whatever else. And I can't remember how many podcasts ago we did the one about sleep. And I mentioned at the end about how everything that we said doesn't cost anything. It's not supplements, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I'm going to try this out because I can't sit here and preach that you can do this and you can do this, blah, 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 blah. And inherently my sleep is not good or has not been good. So I was like, right, I'm going to do all the things that we suggested because I can't say stop screen time at this time, dim the lights, blah, 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 blah. So I was like, I'm going to try all these things out to see if it improves it. So I've come off all supplements. I'm not supplementing with anything in the morning or in the evening. The I've given myself until nine o'clock to do any work or whatever it needs done. And from nine o'clock, no screen time, I will either have a hot shower or a hot bath, dim the lights or even have candlelight not go on my phone, leave my phone at the other side of the room and try and be in bed for 10 o'clock. And I have okay. had a fucking awesome sleep for the past. I mean, it's only been three nights, but I mean, three nights good sleep will literally change your life. So there's a lot to be said in nailing the basics before starting to try and supplement on top of it because I wasn't nailing the basics before yeah. and I was just trying to supplement with magnesium and you know PM priming and all this other shit I was drinking concoction. When I wasn't actually doing the things that as I, I drink recommend- caffeine right now, <laughs> that I would recommend to do to start with. So I was like, right, I'm going to try to set myself to see. And genuinely, I've had better sleep for the past few nights than I've had for months and months and months. Well, that's something that that actually kind of hit me hard too. Um, I don't know why my 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 camera's there. It goes uh, my camera's out of focus for a second. Um, 
something that kind of hit me kind of hard was uh, in our weekly check-ins that, that we do, um, you had mentioned to me, like, usually it's like, hey, your calories are spot on, your sleep spot on, your this and that. And you kind of ding me a little bit. You're like, hey, your sleep is shit. You know, we just had a sleeping podcast. You should practice what we preach. And I'm like, yeah, he's right. I mean, like, I, I really have had shit sleep this week, so I really need to fix that. So I've been really focusing. I, um, a lot of the latest studies on sleep show about six and a half hours is like the perfect sweet spot uh, for, for people. So I've actually been trying to do six and a half hours on a regular basis. Six and a half to seven hours is kind of my um, baseline metrics. Now, if you know, if I'm getting just really crappy sleep, I'll try to catch up. Which they say catch up sleep doesn't really uh, work, but I I feel like you know, if, hey, if I can get eight hours or nine hours, that's awesome. Um, but I'm really shooting for six and a half hours a day to try to address that to kind of keep my habits the same thing too. So, you know, I think um, I think that's all important aspects to where you're kind of always refining and trying to improve and get better um, as time goes on and, and practice what you preach. Right. I think that's the, the big piece there. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, it's not a case of like, I'm not just going to tell everybody to go and do this and go and do that if I'm not doing it myself. So I sometimes have to sort of ground myself, go back to basics myself. And then from that, start to add things in and see what actually really works rather than just here's 10 supplements I take to try and help my sleep. My sleep's okay. I'll deal with it. Do the basics first, get good sleep, and then go back to the how can we improve by one percent? Yeah, yeah, and that one percent piece is you know like I it's the I, one has it, it it well so like I always get to ask you know like oh so I like literally had someone on Twitter just the other day I was like dude you look great what supplements are you taking I'm like dude it's not supplements man it's like listen I bust my ass six days a week you know like cardio and working out and eating right and doing this that's how I get there the supplements do not equate to this i guarantee you there's no supplement that does this like there's actually a, a funny story you know it's i think it's actually that that picture of the screenshot you sent me from dad blood transformation and the guy wrote this really big long post about everything that he does and about how everything's individual and about this that and the other and literally the first comment that i saw was can you send me your plan workout and yeah and nutrition i was like this guy has not he does, does not, not get, get the post he just saw the guy that's top off who's in really good shape and thought i need that i need his workout plan and i need his nutrition plan i'm like people are so far off the mark on things yeah. like that on comments like that it's just like like how do you how do you address that individually well i think it's the same problem you hear with diets too right it's like well yeah. you know hey how did you get to look like that well i did keto okay well you know that doesn't work sorry to hear that 99 of the people that are out there okay you know do not focus on a diet focus on you know calories in versus calories out it's literally as simple as it could possibly be and you know like i um the, that posted essentially that guy so what ben's talking about is yesterday uh there's this there's this facebook group called dad bod transformation and uh there's a guy on there that posted kind of his before and after pictures and it looked like it was more of like a bulk phase where he had put on a lot of body fat and then he did a cutting phase so he was already naturally not naturally i mean he's obviously put the work in but it was already big muscular wise and then basically had to cut off the fat and that's exactly what we're at least that that's exactly what i'm striving to what ben has me and my program is you know i could um and ben and i have talked about this too and this is something actually i still really struggle with is that if you look at my pictures when i first started off and let's just go back six months ago i was much leaner you know and uh you could see more visibly my abs but i had substantially less muscle and you know it, the whole game of this is continuously and, and progressively over time building more and more and more muscle so that you look bigger and you look better with your shirt off right that's exactly what i want and but you don't get that in six months and you don't get that in a year you don't get that you know it, it takes time to get to that point now you can lean up very quickly 
to show some of your muscles, but you're not going to be big, right? Because big takes time for your muscles to build. I mean, like it's it. The muscle building process is extremely slow in our bodies. Extremely slow in our bodies. You'd be lucky to gain a pound or two of muscle a month, like maximum, you know, on, on a given day, right? So, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's 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 a progression day after day stronger than yesterday type of mentality where, you know, you but you but there are things you can do to maximize muscle growth. So, putting yourself in a caloric surplus, so you're eating more calories than you um, than you consume. Uh, and so when you look at that and you say, okay, well, if I do that, I'm going to gain body fat because it's, that's just what's going to happen. That what I don't use is going to turn into fat, but my body has enough muscle or enough, um, enough calories, enough protein, enough everything else to build as much muscle as possible. And then again, try to cut that up. That's why you hear like bulking phases and cutting phases. And if you start getting into like the, the whole steroid aspect of things, which, you know, I'm not, I'm not condoning in any way, shape or form. And, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm fine going my route, which is, you know, the testosterone stuff. But, you know, a lot of times there are considered bulking steroids and cutting steroids where bulking steroids are like, Hey, you're in a huge surplus. It's going to increase your ability to put on more muscle mass. And then you have kind of cutting steroids, which work while you're on a caloric deficit. Um, you know, all of these things are designed for this type of bulking and cutting phase. Now, you don't have to do that. You could be in a you know in a very slight caloric deficit and gradually build muscle over time and still kind of have a cut taper look. But to kind of fast forward that and to build as much as possible, you have to increase it. So this guy, you know, I was looking at his, his pictures and he's obviously been lifting for 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 years and years and years. He's got some you know big muscles and then he cut down and just looks absolutely incredible. And I said it to Ben and I said, hey, this is you know how I want to look you know someday down the road. And I, I think I, I can get there in like a year or two. Um, I'll, I'll race you. Then you should have a race <laughs> to that. Well, dude, your pictures look fucking awesome. I wish I could look like that. Nah, so, but, not uh, anymore. The pictures tell a tale from years ago. Like it's not. It's. I think that's actually a good point to note as well. Like any that guy, you know, we obviously put the work in to build the muscle and then cut back down, and he looks like that for a certain period of time. But you don't always look like that. You know, what I mean, the same as my photos, like. I can put a photo shoot photo up from three years ago and people are like, oh my God, you look great. I'm like, I looked great then. I don't live like that. Like I don't live totally shredded and super fucking tan all year round, unfortunately. <laughs> and I definitely don't either. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely not. You know, from my check-in pics, like I've tried tanning and it goes horribly wrong. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that's the thing is like, again, this is a, a journey, right? You know, I... um I didn't get to where I'm at today by taking supplements or using a keto diet. I got here today because I'm in control of it. And 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 we talked about this on a couple of podcasts ago, but I think like some of my biggest struggles, you know, especially being addicted to food and my weight and everything else is that when we started going into the whole surplus area, you know, this was this was terrified Dave mode because I felt like I was losing control of my food, right? And I really wasn't. It was still in controlled fashion. I was, you know, I knew how much I was eating. It was, you know, it was very much, you know, that that methodical approach. And then now we're cutting it back down, and I have no issues, you know, hitting thirty one hundred calories a day, you know, versus the thirty nine hundred that I was eating before. You know, we're gradually bumping that down and down. And I'll no problem if I get to twenty five hundred, which I hope I don't. But you know, if I get twenty five hundred, uh, you know, Check I'll do that too. Twenty five hundred dollars. Yeah. Damn it, Ben, <laughs> son of a bitch. Um, I think it's just the whole process, right? You have to have. Uh, uh, trusting yourself and knowing that, you know, eventually I'll get there. And someday, you know, I want to cut to that, you know, like I want to have just a massive cutting phase where I'm just like, you know, got the six pack abs just screaming out and knowing that I can do it. And then, Hey, 
time to go bulk up again and get bigger now, right? Yeah, well, I mean, that's what I touched on in last week's check-in. Like, you know, there there's two ways that we can do this. We can go with a sort of slow, gradual route, which is, is fine. It'll obviously take a longer period of time when we can get there. Or if you really want to challenge yourself and see how far we can push it, then, then we can do that. And I mean, at this point, I know you and you know we're going to pick the second option. So I think we should really just try and push it as much as possible. The flip side of that as well is, you know, obviously the leaner that you get in this phase, the more time it allows you on the other on the other side so if you're talking about bumping calories up being a surplus body fat's obviously a byproduct of increasing your calories so the leaner you are as a start point the more of a buffer for want of a better term you have on the other side so the longer you can go in that sort of bulking phase and i think that i think i said this to you before like one of my biggest not regrets but one of my biggest things that i always think about is i never actually spent enough time in that sort of bulking phase or muscle building phase because I would get to a point where I'm like, oh, I can't see my abs anymore. I'm too fat. I want to cut back down again. And I was constant like back and forward. And there's this like constant internal struggle of whenever you're lean and you have a six pack, you're like, oh, I feel small, but I'm shredded. I want to get bigger. And then you get bigger and you're like, oh, I feel bigger. My clothes fit good, but I don't have a six pack anymore. I want to get leaner. And you're like battling yourself the whole way through this, this whole thing. And that's again, you know, it's just a, a mindset thing. You know, it's funny because, like, I remember, you know, when I was in this this this, this bulking phase, I just felt like beefy, right? You know, yeah. just like I felt big. Yeah. You know, and I quite like feeling like that, but I, at the I same time, too. I would like a six yeah. pack all the time. So, I mean, we're doing here, yeah. So, how do we? How do we? How do we? <laughs> science. Well, but we I, need to talk about science. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, th- I think you know the the cool part about you know your approach is that you know you you got it to a point where I was starting to get uncomfortable, yeah. right? And and we had just finished my program too, which was good. I would good also just frame. like to point out, I'm pretty sure about. 10 weeks before we changed, I was like, I think we'll get to about 230 pounds and that'll be the upper limit. And lo and literally behold, that week, you hit 230. That week, I hit 230. Yeah. Well, it was funny. You were second guessing yourself though, because that one week I was like 229 or 228 and you're like, we might not hit the 230 and then I actually hit 230. So you you actually nailed it spot on, which was awesome to see. So you literally got got exactly where I was going to be at. Uh, and then I, you know I'm down now to 226, uh, you know now, so we're you know dropping you know about a pound or two a week, which is great, and uh, that's exactly where we want to be at. And my energy levels are are staying up, so it's this you know constant balance and fight of 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 all of that, and I I really enjoy it. It's been been a lot of fun going through it. Yeah, and I think you know it's just a case of rinse and repeat, and we know exactly what we're doing, and I think that's probably the key is knowing what part of the process we're in. And recognizing that and accepting, okay, I'm maybe not going to feel as beefy or as big, but I'm going to get to the point where I'm as lean as I can possibly be. And then we go again, and then we're having the same conversation a year down the line where you'll be bigger and potentially leaner, and that's sort of how the process evolves. Well, it's going to be cool to, like, once I'm, I'm cut down a bit, to take a, a side-by-side comparison of, like, Lean Dave and then Lean Dave now, right? And see just, like, the, the difference there of, of muscle mass and increase and everything else. And, again, it's a, it's a slow process, so I shouldn't, you know, expect, you know, that I'm going to be Arnold-looking, you know, at, at this point in time. You know, it's going to take me, you know, years and years and years and probably never to look like that. But, you know, but it's one of those things where it's, like, a continual, you know, improvement process of what you're looking at. So I guess that gets us to our, our actual main topic here, which is <laughs> – uh, injury and recovery, which I think is is obviously something that you know I struggle with uh, all the time. Most specifically on the recovery aspects, I I try to find like fake news articles that uh, basically tell you not to do recovery, and I send them to Ben. I'm like, hey, look at this dude says you shouldn't recover. And Ben's like, I'm not budging on this dude. Don't even send me this shit. You know, like you know, like because I want to work out on a Sunday. You know, like you know, Ben's like, don't effing do it. Like you know, I'm like, all right, all right, all right. So you know, I think I think. Uh, 
talking about appropriate recovery, injuries, how we address injuries. What I like about um, your approach on injury is that, you know, you really try to understand what part of the body is hurting and try to work around that as it is recovering and healing, right? Which is, I think, the, the piece that you're still getting the work in and you're still, you know, getting stronger, but at the same time, you're not putting yourself at risk from an injury perspective. Yeah, I think the biggest mistake that I see when people are injured is that everything falls apart. Like they, you know, for me, if you're injured and you actually cannot train, you should be even more on it with your nutrition than yeah. when you can train because you just don't have that sort of leeway with it. Whereas people are like, well, fuck it, I can't train. I'm just going to eat like a dickhead for however many weeks it is, which isn't going to do you any favors from a recovery perspective anyway, because if you're filling your body full of shit, then it's not going to recover optimally. And I think what I always try and, and get is, like you said, you know, what's actually hurting, what movements actually hurt it, and is there any way that we can work around it? If it's an upper body injury and we just need to train lower body, then so be it, and vice versa. But we can, there's always something that we can do, unless you really fuck yourself up. And I'm sorry that if you have, and you know, it's just yeah. that will be part of a recovery process. And again, you should definitely, definitely look at really dialing in your nutrition with it. But I, I guess I can relate this to myself with my recent back injury that I know I've banged on about for ages. But I had obviously I was doing deadlifts and I heard a pop in my back, and I was like, I literally stood up and I was like, I said, I'm done. Like, that's my training career absolutely over. Like, it was shit, it was sore. But after like a week or so when that subsided, a bit of sort of intuitive thinking, I was like, there's other ways that I can train these muscles that don't involve a hip hinge movement or me overextending my back. I'm still put it, able to put in some really good sessions while I recover. Now, I don't have any issues touch wood from it and, and maybe I got off lightly. It could have been much worse, but I was still able to, to manage my training, just train in a slightly different way, find other ways to be stable, find other ways to isolate, you know, different muscle groups that you're not using your whole body and things like that. So there's yeah. plenty of ways to train around an injury. And then you have me, um, <laughs> which uh, I am not the uh, poster child of how you want to recover. So, you know, I recently had sciatica, which it was pretty bad. Like I, um, you know, I was doing, I was doing the nipper program. I was doing some really heavy weights, but did you, you know, know the thing 505 is, pounds Cause I don't so, know. I'm glad you brought, the, I'm glad you brought that up. up. It was 505 pounds of a deadlift <laughs> that I did there. And, um, you know, I'm sure no one in the audience is familiar with that. So it's good to bring that up. Um, but, uh, you know, but it, it's, it's the stupid things you do. So I was lifting something, you know, something small is like 40 pounds and, you know, I tweak my back and in my back, you know, probably something that, you know, if I had, if I had recovered properly and focused on not lifting, it probably would have, you know, subsided in probably a couple of weeks. Whereas, you know, I, I kept kind of pushing and I, you know, I kind of, I still did deadlifts. I still did squats. I still did everything I probably shouldn't have been doing when I pulled my back out. And, you know, it turned into some pretty major sciatica, which, you know, pinched the nerve and, you know, caused some hip issues and quad issues. My um, feeling in the front of my ankles are finally coming back now. It was numb. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm at the recovery point, but it took me much longer than it absolutely should have because I didn't listen to my body. Or me. Um, eh, or Ben. Or, yeah, that's true. Um, and, I, and I just kept, kept pushing it forward because I didn't want to stop the training. And, you know, that's, that's something that you have to recognize. And that's something that I need to recognize. I'm telling myself this basically on this podcast <laughs> is that, you know, if, if I get an injury, listen, if it's a back injury, don't fuck with your back, like, you know, leave it, let it, let it heal, 
And yes, you're going to miss a couple of weeks of, of back exercises, but you know what? You still got your chest, you still got your shoulders, you still got, you know, your quads, you know, you, you still got your hammies. You stay again, stay away from the back. So probably deadlifts aren't a good idea, but leg extensions, things like that are probably fine. You know, just do things that, that, that don't engage the back as much so that you can recover appropriately so that you can be your strongest. And, and, you know, when you're lifting heavy, or you're lifting at all, or you're doing, you know, any type of, of activity, whether it's sports or, you know, uh, cardio, you're going to inevitably have some sort of injury, whether it's, you know, runner's knee or whatever the hell it ends up being, you know, again, take time to listen to your body. If it's in pain, it needs time to recover and heal. And uh, you should be doing everything appropriately to go and do that. I'll tell you stretching. Uh, was I'm going to, I'm going to clip this bit of the podcast so that the next time that you injure yourself, I'm like, I'm just going to go do Dallas. I'm just going to send you <laughs> your own word. <laughs> So, so listen to Dave is, is what, what I'll be listening to here shortly, which, you know, I, I definitely did not, uh, did not listen to myself, but I need to, I need to. The, the, I mean, the sort of blanket tip I can give for that is uh, number one, work out what the, what the injury is. And number two, work out what movements aggravate it. And then from that, try and build out your program based on ways that you can stabilize that part of your body that it's not working. So a lot of stuff you mentioned there, you know, you mentioned, leg extension and seated hamstring curl. Yes, by all means, you can still do those with a back injury because they're so isolated on that muscle group. You're sat in a seat, you can create as much stability as possible. You know, you're talking about chest and other things like, you know, there's plenty that you can still do. Potentially, maybe not to the same extent because, you know, obviously there's stabilizing muscles in your back and if it's an upper body exercise and you need to brace your core and whatever else, your back is engaged, but you can still move. You just need to do it in a, in a slightly different way. Yeah, it's... uh I really think that uh, when you look at, at recovery and injury, you know, you, you kind of have to look at it a few different approaches. Um, one, how do I maximize repair? And two, how do I keep the weight off of it in order to repair appropriately? And, you know, I'll tell you, like, I, I've injured my, my, lower, my lower left. So I have, I have two main trigger areas uh, in my body, my, my left shoulder uh, and my left back are my two main trigger points of, of, of area of injury. It just always happened. I don't, I don't know why, but, um, so I, you know, I, I've done things to minimize that. So, uh, you know, I, I would always, uh, tweak my back on, um, uh, traditional, uh, back squats. And so I have a machine called the Rhino squat machine, which, uh, is a belt that hooks up to my waist and it takes that, uh, alleviated pressure off of my, my back, especially my lower back and allows me to really focus on that quad isolation as I'm going through and doing those squats. Um, same thing for, uh, the Kabuki camber bar that I use for my bench press, which, you know, I would always find that when I'm doing heavy bench press sets, um, you know, my left shoulder would be sore for weeks and weeks and weeks. And, you know, I'd always tear it and it would get worse and worse. And it would just be the cyclical effect that I would deal with. And so, you know, I, I've, I've done things around myself to try to minimize the risk of those from happening. And, and it's working because obviously I didn't, I didn't hurt myself on a deadlift. I didn't hurt myself doing a squat. I didn't hurt myself doing a bench press. I hurt myself with improper form lifting something stupid. There's you always a, and, like a slight sigh of relief in myself whenever someone texts me saying that they've injured themselves and I ask them how, and it's a non-training related injury. I'm like, okay, so it's not my fault. You know, it's something that we were doing <laughs> that was stupid. And I know that that's not the way to think, but I'm like, okay, right. Everything's okay with training. It's just some stupid, like, you know, wasn't thinking or not doing proper form, as you say, in terms of like lifting stuff or moving things or whatever else. Yeah. And it's in, you know, the recovery aspect of things is also important too. Like, you know, Ben, you, you know me, I would literally train four times a day every day and never take a break. And my body would break myself, to, uh, myself down. 
And I think, you know, recovery is an important aspect. When I sent you that training program that I built uh, that we talked about before, you know, hey, you're like, hey, you know, look at look what you're doing here. You're doing deadlifts this day and then you're doing back this day. That's pretty intensive on your lower back, especially with you being prone to injuries. You know, let's space this out an extra day to give your back some time to recover. You know, those are all important aspects that you have to think about as you're starting to go through this. And that's why, you know, like those splits are great, you know, you know push, pull legs. You know, you don't have to worry about, um, you know, the time it takes to recover from specific things like that, um, you know, and full body ex- uh, movements as well. So if you're doing like, you know, lifts three times a week, then, you know, spacing those out, full body, you know, rest day, full body, rest day, full body, rest day um, can really make a big difference. But recovery is also important. So like I, you know, I do a sauna. I have a, a, a you know, a small sauna machine in my house. You can get those portable ones. I think they're like 400 bucks, uh, which is expensive, but they're they're really beneficial uh, on Amazon. They're basically pop-up tents that have infrared saunas in it for recovery. You can put them in pretty much any location and move them. Um, I really like those. Those are really nice. Um, and then I do a hot tub, you know, literally almost every other day. So I'd like to do sauna one, one day, then do a hot tub another day for, for muscle recovery and soreness. A heat seems to work best for me because I hate cold. So, uh, you know, and then I also got this new thing, which I'm really kind of, kind of like, and it's just this, it's called a Tommy copper and it's got uh, a bunch of infrared, uh, sensors on the back for your lower back. So it, you know, helps promote, um, you know, blood flow and things like that in your back to help repair um, issues and things like that. So I haven't tried it yet, uh, but I just got it in the mail and I'm looking forward to trying that too for, for recovery. So that goes, I think, you know, you talk a lot about lower back a lot and I would say probably at least 80% of, you know, people who have injuries are generally in the lower back area. And I think the, the main issue comes from a lack of strength in in that area so if you think about you know how closely connected your lower back is into your glutes and into your hamstrings and that's why i'll i'll generally whether i let the client know or not i'll generally focus a lot on posterior chain to begin with because strengthening that if you think about how many movements you do that involve like a hip hinge movement or some sort of pulling on that lower back if we can strengthen that it's going to allow us down the line to sort of really push things in terms of weight. I know I mentioned a couple of podcasts ago about getting the back extension. I don't know if you got one ordered, but that in terms of like actually strengthening that or at least understanding where the weakness is and trying to build on it is is a big part of it. It's not necessarily just trying to do the recovery. It's like, okay, how can I make this weak area strong so that I'm not yeah. feeling that same same issue? Well, that's and that's also like when I started pulling putting together um, these programs is is a big f- focus and emphasis on lower back. So, you know, the rack pulls. Um, I'm going to start incorporating good mornings. Um, you know, really trying to, to strengthen that that lower back side of the house. Um, you know, lo- uh, low rows, uh, the T bar row. Um, those are all lower back centric type type of. It's actually kind of funny. Like uh, I did rack pulls yesterday. Yesterday is my pool day, and uh, I, I I remember something that you had taught me, which is. You know, don't always focus on the interchange lock, you know, like this all the time, right? You know, try doing as much grip wise as you possibly can. And I and I kind of lost track of that. And so yesterday, um, the first so I, I do two warm up sets and then I do two really big heavy sets, and then I do one lower set for fifteen. So it's you know, twelve, twelve, ten, ten, fifteen. And um, so the first three I did normal, you know, uh, a, a normal, you know, rack pull that way. And it is substantially harder uh, to do it that way. You know, it's like, you know, it's funny because like I could probably lift like 500 pounds on a rack pool with an interchange one. I could probably do 300 with, you know, the first one or 350, you know, with the first one. So, you know, I, I, I did that and then I did the interchange after that. And then I'm like, you know, I don't really feel like I got, got a good back. And I was I was really focusing on doing it the Ben way, which is real slow, controlled, focused, you know, um, and I made sure, you know, I um, actually put two bumpers uh, there. So it raised me a little bit. So the 
the bar was just below my knee. You know, I just super slow engaging up and down. And uh, I was like, man, I don't feel like I, I got that big of a back workout. And then I took my, my uh, I, you know, I had a belt on. And I took a belt on my whole, like, back was like, I'm fucked. You know, like, you know, like, like my whole back was like, I'm done. Like, seriously, we're done. We're done here. Um, and of course, I did, you know, a T-bar row and then a bunch of other stuff afterwards. But, but it, was, it was a great, great session. And again, focusing on that lower back. Yeah. I always find rock pulls a funny one because not only do you get that sort of sense of, it's almost like, you know, whenever you're training biceps and you get the pump, like, and it feels like your muscles are full, you can get that in your lower back. So if you think about your lower back muscles, you can get that. So there's a difference between like actually feeling the, the point of like you've injured your lower back or you're, you're straining it to the fact that it's just that muscle that is pumped. And I think that alongside the number one, the amount of weight you can lift on a rack pull, but number two, the, the impact that can have on your central nervous system. And that's something that is a whole other rabbit hole of a conversation. Like, you know, the, if you think about the amount of weight you're lifting and what you're actually doing and what your, your body actually goes through in your central nervous system. I remember rack pulls for a long time were a big part of my plan. And I, I literally had to like sit down for like five minutes and sort of gather my thoughts after having them because you can do so much with them. Big, big fan of them because you can lift a lot of weight. Um, but what you're talking about the mix grip there somebody actually texted me this week about the about using straps um and you know my feeling about using straps like i've never used them and I'm, I'm not a fan of them however um whenever i was training my buddy helmy he uses them and he's like i'm not trying to train my grip i'm trying to actually be able to pull this weight and there is definitely a lot to be said about that because when you get to a certain weight your main focus is actually holding on to the bar and not actually what you're doing. And you don't want to sort of jeopardize your movement or at least your sort of concentration because you're trying to focus on actually holding on to the bar. And I remember me being frustrated, um, working on the gym floor and I don't want to generalize, but generally it was females. I was like, okay, they're doing RDLs or something. I'm like, wait, where did you feel it? Thinking, okay, it's going to be hamstrings and glutes. And they're like, oh, just in my hands. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> it's not a hand exercise, but yeah. that's obviously where their focus is because that's where the struggle is and actually, actually holding on to the Grip bar. Strength. So, yeah. yeah, so chalk and straps, um, the jury's out still for me. Well, it's, it's funny because like I'll get compliments all the time where, you know, they'll see me do that 500, five pound deadlift, by the way. And, uh, and, but I don't use straps for it. You know, it's all, it's all, you know, intergripped, um, you know, type of thing. And I don't, I, you know, when I first started doing this, I would always wear straps and, um, you know, you had mentioned to me, like, why don't you try focusing on your grip strength? And my grip strength was actually fairly weak at that time. And, and there's actually something to be said. There's, there's scientific studies out, um, around grip strength and longevity of life, believe it or not. Um, so the more grip strength you have throughout your life, the more, uh, you supposedly live. Now they're not exactly sure why that is. Um, you know, if there's some theories like, Hey, you know, your ability to actually like latch onto something as you're falling down, you know, might be, might be greater, but, um, grip strength is actually directly equated to longevity of life, which is really interesting. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I've noticed my grip strength go substantially higher and I actually have, uh, in my car, I have one of those, uh, grip strength, uh, things that I use and I just, I'll just, you know, you, I'll, I'll do like, you know, you know, 10 sets of 20 on that thing, you know, as I'm driving down the road, just probably look weird as hell doing it, but, um, <laughs> you know, but who cares F them, uh, you know, and, and, uh, you know, that, that has helped with grip strength, but also, you know what I'm doing there. But I, I think that's an important aspect is like, you know, feeling comfortable with the weight and being able to handle that weight and trying it different ways that to, to maximize, you know, what you're going to be engaging for that muscle group that you're trying to engage. Uh, and, and I think proper form, obviously, and technique is big on the non-injury side too. Yeah. And grip strength is, is a funny one. Like I, I, naturally i seem to have quite good grip strength and 
one thing I've sort of come to realize is it's potentially just because I have big hands so I can hold on to things. I find that people with smaller hands seem to struggle to hold on for longer and that's absolutely, you know, it makes sense. But, you know, waist and pre-reader strength are, as you're talking about the, the like little clamp thing that you have just fucking hanging on a, on a pull-up bar doing passive hangs yeah. or dead hangs. Um, things like weighted carries or farmer's walks where you actually have to hold on and things like that will then help other movements and other exercises that you're doing. And the only real way to, as with anything, to improve the strength of it is to use it. So like hold on to stuff, hang, hang on to stuff, like walk with heavy stuff, carry all the groceries in with, with just what in one go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all the groceries is the most important piece out of, out of all this, uh, you know, uh, as part of it, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's something to be said about that. Getting back onto the whole, um, injury piece of it, you know, there's obviously a lot of different body parts, a lot of different things that can, that can happen. Uh, I know when I first started at orange theory, I was going more often than three times a week. I was going, you know, four or five times a week and it broke down my knees it broke down my ankles, started getting runner's knee. Um, you know, I found, you know, it wasn't necessarily, um, the activity I was doing, but also looking at your shoes, you know, how your shoes fit is important. I found out my whole life that I'm actually a size 15 shoe, not a size 14 shoe. Um, whoops, uh, you know, like, you know, whoops. Um, so that was a big one where I think, um, you know, like I was in a smaller size shoe and I went to a bigger size shoe and I've had zero issues, uh, since then. So, you know, kind of getting down to the root cause of why you're having that injury, I think is really important to discuss because, you know, without me switching to something like the Kabuki camera bar, where it uses less of your shoulder engagement, more of your, you know, chest and triceps, you know, I probably would have still been struggling with, with substantial issues. Now I will tell you, uh, switching to like a barbell versus, uh, the camera bar is a bit of an ego hit because, you know, I used to drop, you know, 305 pounds, you know, or more on a, on a, on a, on a bench, you know, bench press for, for, for my max. And, you know, when I switched to the Kabuki camera bar, it was literally half that because you're not using predominant amount of your shoulders. So, you know, now I'm down to, you know, every time I see, you know, I have to do, you know, a, you know, barbell bench, you know, it's, it's like at like two fifteen, you know, versus I have a solution to this problem for anybody who's listening. So again, I have a, a recurrent shoulder injury. How I got it was I was drunk one night trying to do a handstand, fell, like totally collapsed, absolutely fucked myself. But anyway, so the shoulder injury is just like literally right in here. And if I do the same, you know, the same as you that you're talking about, if I'm using just a fixed barbell, if I go to a certain point and it's a certain weight, like I feel the strain. The way yeah. that I get that and, and it's, it's, it's right where you're pointing to. It's right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. And you, I think I can actually feel the difference. Like I can it it I know what everybody's watching I'll, YouTube, I'll, but I'll have to, to check this. It's it's right there. Like I can feel like there's a, there's something there that that's not on this side. So that's where it is. Um, but you know, I'm a big fan of, of resistance bands and sort of changing the resistance mm -hmm. profile of different movements. So instead of me just doing a regular barbell, I will always try and use a Smith machine. Now you can set this up. I don't know what way it would look, but you could set this up with a regular barbell. So basically on the Smith machine, I'll put the, the resistance band around the top and around the, the bar. So what happens is as the weight comes down, the band stretches. So it takes more of the resistance. So it's actually lighter at the bottom. So mm. where I'm the weakest, which is at the bottom, the bar will be the lightest. As I start to push away, the resistance gets less and the bar will naturally get heavier. Obviously the weight's the same, but just the amount of weight that you're pushing. So smart it's almost the opposite of what you're saying i can actually get more weight on the bar because it's taking the resistance off as i go down so that's maybe a solution maybe not for you but for anybody who's listening in terms of just reverse banding the the smith machine or the barbell so as soon as you're coming down it's taking some of the weight off so i don't get that pressure through my shoulder but it still allows me to push heavier weight as i am in the stronger part of my muscle 
That's smart. I didn't even think about that. Uh, sounds like I'm going to be experimenting on the next push <laughs> day. But, uh, yeah, like, hey, Pat, I have a shoulder injury now. Um, you know, <laughs> but uh, you know, however you can work around um, that injury, I think is is really important, right? And um, you know, I think um, you know how you address that and, and kind of work around that, and how you recover from that is is really important for your training to can stay consistent. Because what I'll hear from a lot of folks is that. You know, they'll get an injury and then, then boom, they just go back to a total shit cycle, you know, where they're, they're not working out, they're not putting it in, they're not eating right. And I think you hit it right. And that's why I like, um, I like how you do the split between training and non training days, right? So, uh, the way Ben looks at this is that, you know, when you're doing training days, you're obviously burning more calories, thus, you need more calories in your body. When you're not doing training, you have less calories. So, for days that I have rest, which is only one day, which is Sunday, um, but you're still that's trying not, to press me on non negotiable. That's non negotiable. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, it, it, you know, for my non-training day, you know, I'm down to 2,900 calories versus my 3,100. So it's only a couple hundred calories, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, if I was injured, we would be dropping those calories down, especially if I couldn't train so that, you know, I, I, I have ample protein, you know, to sustain my, my muscles. And there's actually some science behind this too, about how long it takes to lose muscle, that type of stuff. It actually takes some, some quite a bit of time for your muscles to start degenerating uh, in a lot of ways. Now, don't get me wrong, once it starts that process, it goes by quick. Um, but you have, you know, several weeks, months, things like that to, to keep your muscle mass before it starts actually ripping off your body. But that, that helps me, you know, visualize days that I need to. And it, it, you also may heard this term called carb cycling as well. It's a very similar approach, right? So if you, have macros as an example, let's just say your protein goal is 200 grams of protein. Um, and, but you normally have 200 grams of carbs and, you know, 50 grams of fat or hundred grams of fat, which is say 200, 200 and hundred, uh, as your, as your baseline there, you know, it, days that you're not training, you still have to hit that 200 grams of, of protein, but you have to either reduce some of the fat. So maybe you go 80, 80 grams of fat and maybe you do only a hundred, you know, grams of carbs, uh, as a way to shrink that down. So you're still getting in the things that you need for your muscle mass, but you're not, you know, overloading yourself with things that could turn into a byproduct of fat. So that you're not losing your gains and things like that. Yeah. I think another point to note that I, I hear quite regularly whenever I'm on initial calls with people, they're like, you know, uh, I'll go for, I'll go all in for two months or three months and then I'll get an injury and it'll set me back, you know, two or three months. And you just, they're stuck in that cycle of training as hard as they possibly can for three months fucking themselves up, probably the same recurring injury that they don't deal with, and then taking three months off, recovering, feeling good again, and just repeating the process. Yeah. And generally, whenever we break it down, the issue comes that they're just going too hard too soon. And I think being able to recognize, you know, what level you're at is important. You don't need to go from doing zero to training five times a week and doing five hours of cardio a week. Just do slightly more than you're doing. So if it's three days a week, do your three days, allow yourself time to recover to make sure that you're sort of preventing any any injury because you might like if you go from zero to 100 you're gonna fuck yourself up so just gradually build it up and just try and take yourself out of that cycle and another probably the most important point to note is if you do have a recurrent injury or if you do get an injury it's like you said work out where it's actually coming from and what's actually causing it and deal with that just don't like try and brush over it or as Dave does, just continue through it. Um, you know, working out what actually causes it and how you can get around it, whether it's a case of you need to strengthen the muscles around it or you need to just move in a slightly different way. Like obviously everybody's built differently, they move in different ways. So if it's just the case of something doesn't work for you or you don't it doesn't fit for you, then just don't do it. It's exactly like you have the um 
can't remember the name of them, the wheels that you have on the side for the deadlift that raises the bar up. And the same as yeah. I do with a lot of guys, I just get them to put the bumper plates under. Basically becomes a, a pole block or black pole, sorry, black yeah. pole deadlift. You imagine, and I've sort of heard this term before, you know, being a tall person, you have long levers. Trying to pull something from the ground is hard. Like, imagine being a giraffe and trying to do a deadlift. Do you know what I mean? So if you can bring that up slightly to fit you, then it's much better. And I spoke to Heath about yeah. this too. You know, it, if you're looking at a machine that just doesn't feel right for you, adjust whatever you need to adjust, whether it's yeah. a, a setting on the machine or whether it's a setting on the bench or whether it's the way that you're sat into the machine. It just it sort of feels comfortable for you. And one of the sort of the ones that come to my head is if you for me i'll always use the pec deck in reverse for my rear delts now if you try and visualize that would be great but i don't sit in the seat i'll almost like lean my head against the seat i'll be stood up my hips will be back and i'll go like that and i mean if people probably look at me thinking i've absolutely fucking lost the plot but for me that really works in terms of hitting the muscle so it's just about taking time to understand the equipment you have and how it works for you like if you think about the amount of gym equipment there is you know they can't build it to fit everybody they'll generalize yeah. it as much as possible and you know somebody who's five foot versus somebody who's fucking six foot eight like it's going to be totally different in terms of the way that they move so understand how your body moves and how you can adjust things to fit that and that's why i think it's important too to have somebody experienced like a trainer to kind of work you through those exercises or there in person or remote you know i'll send you i haven't done it in a while just because i feel comfortable with with the equipment that i have but you know if you look at it's funny because you look at the equipment that I have and how I use it, they're all recommendations of how you showed me how to do things. So like, for example, like the tricep extensions, you know, I'm a tall guy, you're a tall guy. So using two ropes instead of one rope to get that full extension of my long ass giraffe arms, you know, is, is a much better solution than the tiny ropes that you have there for the little tiny arm T-Rex. people that are there, the T-Rex arms, right? Um, you know, same thing for the deadlift, you know, the first, I, me- I remember, you know, when I was starting off with, I think, 25 pounds on each side, uh, and I'm at 505 pounds now, which is awesome. So, uh, you know, <laughs> but you, but you, the first thing you, you showed me, you know, was like, hey, you know, you, you have to bend down substantially further. Why don't you consider putting some of those bumpers there so that you have that neutral spine as you're coming up and you're not, you know, forcing all of that weight, especially on your lower back, which is weak to be prone at. So it's, it's those, 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 those constant evolutions of trying to correct or try to to make it your own so that it's best for you, I think is really important. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you can you can fight to me on this. Like, I imagine, you know, a deadlift from you from the floor feels unnatural, like it feels uncomfortable. Yeah, oh, sorry, I was I was, I was messing my camera. It kept, it keeps adjusting, so I turned the, the auto zoom off, sorry. Um, yeah, it, it, uh, going, going from the floor all the way up feels 100% unnatural to me because like literally I'm, I'm at almost at a downward angle of how far I have to go. And then I have to basically jerk up, which all of that is, is gonna be your lower back. And then you're not, you know, you're not even really engaging, you know, the, the muscles that you need to, especially the glutes and the hammies as you're starting to come down, you know, from that type of exercises are coming up. And I, eventually you will, as you engage and you come up, but you know, the, it's, it's a big strain on your back and obviously much more prone to error. And, uh, and so I think, you know, for me, uh, doing those block pulls, I don't, I don't do normal deadlifts from the ground at all, period, ever, because I don't need to. Uh, you know, I, I maintain my neutral spine as I'm going up and I come up, you know, nice in a, in a, in a very controlled manner and I've had zero issues or problems as I've gone through and done it. And, and, and those types of small changes have been massively impactful in, in my injury side of the house. Right. Yeah. And it, my point to this is training is hard and obviously you will feel the, the stress on your body, but it, 
it shouldn't feel unnatural. Like the, the movement shouldn't feel uncomfortable. You should be in control. Like if you're doing it and it feels uncomfortable, then change how you're doing it. And another good example is the, the elevating your heels on the, on the squat mm, to yes. be able in terms of get, you know, get down lower. And again, this has just come from, from my own experience, like in terms of things that I've changed and, and things that I've done or things that I've seen working with clients. And to, for me, like that is a total game changer for, for doing squats. And again, for me, you know, a back squat just does not feel nice to me. I just don't like the movement. I just don't move well in it. A front squat all day long, like I can sit in the bottom of it and fully in control. So recognize as well that you don't have to do certain things just because back squats, you know, everybody who knows what a back squat is, like it doesn't mean that you have to do it. If it doesn't feel nice, you don't move well in it, then just do a different variation of it. Yeah. And that's why, you know, like the, the rhino squat for me, I don't do uh, traditional back squats anymore because I mean I have the the safety bar and everything that's just sitting there collecting dust because you know I prefer the rhino squat I, I, I get extremely good quad isolation uh, on those I'm hitting exactly what I need to hit and it's a very comfortable movement for me uh, and you know one thing I'll say from a, a timing perspective you know um, loading the weights and things like that it's so much easier on the rhino squat than it is you know on the traditional um, barbell or safety squat bar um, but you know but, but just in stating that you know obviously. I don't recommend going out and buying the Rogue Rhino because rhino, it'll take you four fucking days to put that thing together. It's the most complex thing I've ever done. Like, literally, I cried. I bled. I had to rebuild it ten different times. Uh, I, I will never, ever... That thing dies here at this house. I'm not taking that apart. Like, whoever owns this house, I'm like, listen, part of you buying this house is you now own this Rogue Rhino. Um, no other gym equipment. Just this one, just just one, one thing. I'll take the racks. That's fine. That one piece is not is not coming out. It's dying with this house. Okay, it'll be like it'll be like 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 you know ten thousand years in the future, and the human race is gone, and like these aliens come in, and, and there's nothing left except for this damn rogue rhino that still still survived this whole thing. Um, but uh, you know, but those those types of, of adjustments there, I think, are really important. But I also want to hit on you know that that mind muscle body connection uh, that is absolutely legit, right? You know, and and that too. You know, I think when you look at form and technique and how you're conducting resistance training, and that also goes for running too, how you run appropriately, and and you know it, those those small changes have a massive impact on working that muscle, and also ensuring that you're hitting the appropriate muscles as you're doing those exercises. Um, you know, and 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 you don't get that right away. It's it's actually something that takes time for you to develop that connection between your muscles. It's actually like a like a lot of science behind this as well. It's, it's crazy. I thought, I thought this was the cra crazy people talking again. Um, like what I can control my muscles. Are you kidding me? Get out of here. Like, like whatever, you know? Um, but I, you know, I can, I can lift my pecs, you know, uh, but <laughs> anybody who's listening, who usually listens on Spotify or whatever else, I recommend you go and watch this one because there's been in a lot of funny shit in the camera. Like he's been moving, he's been moving quite a lot. So go and watch it on YouTube. <laughs> My, my camera, you know, at least I'm not freezing like I did the last one. I fixed <laughs> yeah, that issue. True, so, true. but like the auto, the auto focusing stuff has been jacking things up. And then I, I just flex my, my, my left pack and my right pack. I can, you did that lifts and everything. I've seen you. I'm actually surprised you haven't yeah. been on a podcast where you've been training by. I should do it from the gym. I should do it for the gym next time. But, uh, <laughs> no, but it's, it's important that, you know, like I'll tell you for, for chest, um, you know, I used to, to really try to bang through those, those, those benches, right? So I'd go, you know, down, up, down, up, you know, as fast as I possibly could. And I notice now, you know, hey, when I'm coming down, it's it's nice and controlled, you know, shoot back up, nice and controlled, you know, shoot back up, you know, and and you know that 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 connection that I have with my chest or my shoulders, whatever else I'm focusing on, um, is very different than it was a year ago from a training perspective, right? And I think you know it's 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 a combination of doing the appropriate exercises and getting comfortable with the exercises. You know, I did Good Mornings for the first time, uh, a Nippers program, and and. 
I'm not particularly fond of them, uh, to be honest with you, uh, but they're okay. And, and, but you know, when I first try any new exercise, I'm like, what the hell is this? Um, hip adductors is another great example of that. I tried hip adductors for the first time. I love them. I use them in every, you know, one of my exercises when I'm doing legs again. So, you know, it's, it's, it's getting comfortable with the movement, doing it the right way, doing the research to ensure that you're doing it the right way. And then building up on that so that you have that mind muscle connection as you're doing that exercise. And all of those will really reduce your, your ability to, to injure yourself. I, I think it's knowing what the, the movement's actually trying to achieve. Like what muscle yeah. are you actually trying to work? Like when you're doing a squat, are you just going up and going down or going down and going up? Or are you actually, you know, can I feel this in my quads? Can I feel this in my hamstrings? Can I feel this in my glutes? Whatever it is. And you're a hundred percent right. The, the mind muscle connection definitely makes a difference. And if you think if you're actually, concentrating on moving the muscle you're going to get stronger through that muscle rather than just yeah. doing the movement so do you want to get strong in terms of building the muscle or you do you want to get strong in terms of just doing the movement and i find that things like chest shoulders triceps quads are easy because you can see those things so you understand what you're doing like you can feel the muscle you know what way it works you know how it extends you know how it contracts but back anything posterior chain is difficult which then leads us back to the conversation of focus on Damn. your posterior chain because you can't see how your back moves and you anything back is my toughest one I, I i you know i still to this day don't feel like i have a good mind muscle you know uh connection with my back yeah so it's it's one of the back is is the toughest one for me now and now again when i start to feel like the tightness uh, you know around the small of my back and i start to feel you know the fatigue on my lower back i know i'm hitting it but i have a tough time like am i doing this right like like t-bar row i must adjust my form i like five times as I'm doing it, you know, cause I'm like, I don't feel like I'm doing it right. Am I doing it right? Am I engaging? Am I, you know, am I squeezing my, my, you know, my, you know, so back to me is, is definitely one of the toughest ones that I have a, I have a tough time. Just am, am I doing this the right way? Right. Yeah. And it's just, it's just comes down to a time thing. And even now, you know, we're talking about, you know, adjusting machines or whatever else. Like if I walk into the gym and I'm going to do a set, like if it's a gym I haven't been in before, I'll spend some time playing about with the settings of the, the, the machine to make sure that I feel it to me. Do you know what I mean? Like me doing a, an inclined chest press, to feel it on my upper chest may be different than yours. And we need to sort of to play about with that. And it's just, it's just going to end the time. Yep. Agreed. Well, dude, it's already been an hour. It's been Crazy. an hour, but I think that you owe Yuri an apology. Who do I owe an apology to? Yuri, because you said he's in his fifties and I asked him on Twitter and he's only 47 next week. So I think you publicly need to apologize. Oh, yeah. So I, I do apologize. Listen, <laughs> I, I, I also said just a caveat exactly my quote was, <laughs> He would look badass in his 40s as well. So I didn't know what he was, 40s or 50s. You know, I just said, regardless of his age, he looks badass. He looks more and more badass than me. So I want to get to Yuri, you know, when I'm 47. I hope I look just as jacked as that. I think dude we need does, to just take the age out of it. He just looks like a fucking badass. He looks just like a badass. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, 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 like he just, I, I definitely need to get the Yuri arms there. So <laughs> maybe we should get him on the podcast. Absolutely. He's great, man. He's awesome. He's so motivational stuff that he's doing and with his kids, you know, he's always active um, doing the jujitsu stuff and the lifting. It's just, he just did a, a bodybuilding contest, you know, and I think he took first in it. Like, it's incredible. Like, I mean, talk about, talk about inspiration. I don't know if you saw his before and after pictures, but he was just as obese as I was, if not more. So, I mean, incredible uh, transformation for him and congratulations on all the success. And then I do apologize for saying, you know, the 50, I, I was just throwing out a number and you don't look like you're in the fifties at all. Like I would have totally thought you were the same age as me originally, but you keep telling me that you're older than me. So that's why I figured, you know, Hey, he's gotta be in the fifties. So that's that, that, hopefully I didn't offend. I apologize. <laughs> right. I think on that note, we'll leave it. All right. Well, hey, appreciate everybody tuning in to Hacking Your Health Podcast. Uh, 
tune into us every week uh, talking about various different topics. We're going to have some guests coming up soon. Uh, and uh, hopefully you're learning something new with us and our experiences and our journeys. And uh, appreciate you listening. Check us on Discord. Discord, uh, discord.gg slash hacking your health, uh, Twitter slash we hack your health, or we hack health, sorry, and then uh, everywhere else. So that's all. <laughs> everywhere just at we hack health. We hack health. Yeah, we, we hack, hack health. health. We're hacking your health. Hacking your health. We hack health. <laughs>